Well, listen, again, good morning to everyone and welcome anyone that's watching online. My name is Lisa, and I'm so honored to be on the team here at Hamilton. We have an amazing staff that works so hard behind the scenes to lift these services every week. And thank you to everyone who's signing up to volunteer in this next season of our fourth service. God help us all, but it's going to be super awesome. So if you've been around at all, you know that over the last ten and a half months, we have been go- ten and a half months since February, y'all, We have been going through the Sermon on the Mount, the Sermon on the Mount. We have taken our time since February to go entire, through the entire most famous message that Jesus ever preached on a hillside called the Sermon on the Mount. We've been taking our time, digging in deep, and I don't know about you, but it has really stretched me. It has really encouraged me as we have just slowed down and focused on one thing. What about you? Have you grown? Have you been stretched? Yes. And in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus gives us the blueprint for our lives. It's such a gift to us because he gives us the blueprint. So here we are in the last two verses. Ten and a half months later, the last two verses of the Sermon on the Mount, we've reached kind of a grand finale here, and it's the culmination of everything he's been talking about. So today we're launching a brand new and our final series of the year, if you can believe it, Building on the Rock. And today's message is Building on the Word of God. God, help me speak, help our hearts receive in Jesus' name. So we're going to look at the scripture, Matthew 7, 24 through 27. Therefore, anyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house. Are you hearing the song in your head, right? We've been singing it all year. Yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. Somebody say rock. Rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew against that house, and it fell with a great crash. So Jesus gave us an amazing picture to look at. He was so good at that, at giving us pictures that we can see in our mind. And it's of two different builders. It's a very clear picture. And he's showing us the wise man and the foolish man. The wise man and the foolish man. The wise man was blessed with strength, protection, and blessing. And the foolish man was cursed, basically, with weakness devastation and demise because of his choices and Jesus is telling us if you want to make it you better build on me because Jesus is the rock he didn't say okay I'm going to show you this blueprint and I'm going to give you the secret to life and here at the end if you build on rock or if you build on sand I hope you make it I hope you can figure out how to be wise He didn't leave it to us. He let us in on the secret. He gave us the cheat code, and it is this. You can't just hear the word of God and be building on the rock. You have to hear the word of God, and you have to apply it to your life. You have to hear the word of God and put it into practice every single day. Can I get an amen? Amen. Yes. 
He gave us his blueprint, and he expects us to take his words, his teachings, the Sermon on the Mount and every letter in red, take it and work it into our lives and weave it into the everyday circumstances, situations, choices that we find ourselves in. We apply the word of God to every single thing, and we are not allowed to pick and choose. It is the entirety of the word of God. We can't go through a buffet line and say, I like this, uh, I don't want that, I like that, oh, give me doubles of that, but I don't want the rest of that. That is not what the Word of God tells us to do. We apply the entire Word of God to our lives, all of it. So Jesus shows us that there are two different builders, but they have one thing in common, and it is storms. Anybody ever been in a storm? Listen, there's a misconception. You think you ask Jesus into your life, you make him Lord, you pray the prayer, and you move on with your life, and things get hard. Hello? We are not exempt from storms. Just because we have submitted our life to Jesus does not mean that we will not face hard times. There's a lot of people out there that think that. That if I follow him, if I say I will follow him and give him my life, everything's going to be peachy. Everything's going to be skittles and rainbows. But that is not the case. He never said we were exempt from storms. It rains on the just, it rains on the unjust. And it's not if you go through a storm, it's when you go through a storm. The difference is, for a believer who is built on the rock, he says you will be able to withstand it. You're going to come out on the other side because you're built on the rock. So I don't know about you, maybe you're coming out of a storm. Maybe you're headed into a storm, or maybe it's storming today all around you, and you're in the middle of it. But I know this, we can draw encouragement from it because it means we're still alive. (laughs) We're still breathing. Even though the winds are blowing and the rains are coming and the floods are rising, we're still alive. We're still breathing. He is still with us. So Jesus says there are two different builders, there are two different foundations, and there are two very different outcomes. We cannot underestimate the importance of the foundation that we built our life on. We cannot ignore it. We can't underestimate it. Look, if you drive down the street, you can't really see foundations. You can't really tell who has gone deep on the rock and who has built shallow on the sand. You can't see it from the outside. But when the storms come, it's going to begin to tell a story. It determines everything. The stability of your life and of the structure, the longevity of it, how it weathers time, and the security of the structure. The story of your life on the other side will be told whether you built on rock or sand. We all know people, we see from the outside sometimes, it looks like their their life is like a house of cards. If we laid a feather on them, they would just collapse. Do you know someone like that? And then we've seen people that have gone through unbelievable things in their life and you're like how are you still standing I promise it is because they're hanging on to the very word of God there is a big difference in rock and sand you know we lived years and years ago in DeSoto Texas that is in the greater Dallas area come on Texas anybody out there loves some Texas all right yes I grew up in West Texas and you can take me out but you can't take it out of me 
So Chris and I, we lived in a suburb of the greater Dallas area in DeSoto, Texas. We had this adorable little house. It was an older house, but it had a lot of character. And, you know, Allison was a toddler there. She's 23 now, if that tells you anything. And Nicholas, my 20-year-old, we actually brought him home from the hospital to this adorable little house. And it wasn't long before I started noticing on the kitchen counter or on my kitchen table, I would lay a pencil down and it would start to roll and I noticed as we went through the house, there were some cracks showing up in the corners and from the corners of the window frames, and the doors weren't opening and closing like they should. And I thought, what in the world? Well, we had a friend tell us, look, you just happen to be living in one certain specific area of the Dallas Metroplex that is known for sandy soil. And your house is in an area where more than likely your foundation is going to need some attention. Well, who knew, but we found out, and we had to pay some serious money to have some structural engineers come out and go deep, way down, I mean way down under the foundation, get these machines under there, and literally lift the corner of our house to make it level again. It was on sand, and we didn't know it. Sand on the screen is anything that shifts and changes. Anything that shifts and changes. It can be personal finances. Think how unpredictable that is. Your job or your career, it could shift. Relational dynamics can move around. World economy, hello, every day we see it on the news. It's shifting, it's changing. The government, hello. Media, hello. God bless media so we know what's going on, but God help us. Media is constantly shifting and changing. Public opinion. Oh, my goodness. You know, we went through that storm, and it still kind of happens, but it was real prevalent for a while where people were getting canceled left and right. Public opinion carries a lot of weight, evidently, in this world system today. It shifts and it changes, and society is changing. We don't live in the same world that we used to live in. Anybody notice? It's a sad commentary, but the Bible tells us that it's going to get worse. It's going to get darker. It's going to get harder. Are you encouraged this morning? <laughs> the world is changing before our eyes. It, doesn't it feel like it's changing every day? I just can hardly look at the news anymore. Public opinion now shapes people's worldview. And I'm worried that it has wiggled into the body of Christ and we're looking at public opinion and we're beginning to make decisions. There is a major warning, a red flag. If I could blow a horn right now, I would say, do not follow public opinion. It is contrary to the word of God. Public opinion is deciding what is right, they're deciding what is wrong, and they're deciding what is tolerated. And it is contrary to the word of God. So, how do we build our lives on the rock? Number one, we believe that the word of God is the only truth. Say it with me, the only truth. Guess what? It is not enough to believe in the good book. You can't just believe that the Bible is a good book and the holy word. It is the very word of God. 
It is the living, the breathing, the active, the sharper than any two-edged sword, divinely inspired, infallible word of God. And we have to look at it that way. It was divinely inspired. We have to believe that it is 100% true 100% of the time. It is 100% true 100% of the time. If the Bible says it, I believe it, and I believe that it is true. Always, always, always true. In John chapter 1, it says this because we're like, okay, what is the truth? Because that's a hot topic today. In the beginning, the Word already existed. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. So the Word became flesh and made His home among us. Y'all, that's Jesus. Jesus came to the earth in human flesh, the Word of God in human flesh, and walked among us. The Bible says He is the way, the truth, and the life. So if he is the truth, he is the word. The word is always true because Jesus is truth itself. Jesus is the word and Jesus is the truth. They all equal each other. So if his word is always true, it's because Jesus is truth himself. So how do I build my life on the rock? I believe in him and I know the truth. On the screen in John 8, then Jesus said to those who believed him. Remember, we have to believe. If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. And you shall know the truth, and the truth will make you free. Come on, somebody. That is good. When we begin to know the word and know Jesus, we begin to know the truth, and it works freedom into our lives. But the truth is relative today. It is a hot topic. What is truth? Today, your truth is your truth and my truth is my truth. It's whatever I feel like in my heart is the truth. That's what I'm applying to my life is my truth. And they're leaving the Bible out of it. And we're seeing this in the body of Christ. That truth has become relative. The Bible talks about that there will be a great falling away from God. Think about what that looks like in your mind. A great falling away from God. And it starts with this question. Did God really say? Have we heard that before? That was the original thing. That was the first question that got all of us in trouble. Did God really say that? And it's a great falling away. In Matthew 24, Jesus is talking about the last days on the screen. And many false prophets will appear and will deceive many people. Sin will be rampant everywhere. And the love of many will grow cold. We all know somebody, don't we? We all know somebody that once walked with the Lord, that once loved Jesus, who is no longer walking with Jesus. There is a great deconstruction of faith happening. Has anyone known someone that has deconstructed their faith? Can I tell you what is doing the deconstructing? It's the spirit of the world. It's the doctrine of demons. It's the question, did God really say? It gets in there and it begins to cause us to question, 
Is this faith thing really real? Does he really mean it? Pastors are watering down the word across America. I could say the world, but let's just talk about America. Pastors are watering down the word. You may have heard some teaching that starts to veer off left and right. We're going to talk about that in a moment, but it's very important that you be alert and awake and listening and sensitive. We have to know the word because we have to sniff out the fakes. And they're out there. The world system and society's opinions have crept into the capital C church. And like I said, doctrine of demons are beginning to flourish right before our eyes. There is mass deception happening in the world. There is so much confusion. And it's even in the body of Christ. Like I've said, Christians are beginning to question the totality of the Bible. It's weaving its way in. Even in the lobby, here and there, Chris and I will have somebody come up to us and say, gosh, did you see the thing on the news? Like, I don't know what to believe anymore. I can't tell what's real. I can't tell what's fake. Buckle your seatbelt because AI is on the rise, y'all. I can't tell what's real. I can't tell what's fake. I can't even tell the difference of who is telling the truth. Who is telling the truth? We see it in the lobby. But let me tell you this, friend, if you feel confused on the screen, the world sends mixed messages, but the Word of God does not change. One of the enemy's faithful tactics is to bring in the spirit of confusion. And I am praying that after today's message, the Lord will stir up in all of us that gift of discernment, and that gift of being able to sniff out the counterfeit. Because I'm telling you, there are things that are right, and then there are things that are almost right. And we have to recognize them. The world sends mixed messages, but the Word of God never changes. There is a spirit of Antichrist alive and well in the, spirit, in, the, in the earth today. What is the spirit of Christ? It's exactly what it says. Antichrist. It's everything that is against the knowledge of God. Everything that is good and everything that is biblical is under constant attack on every public platform. We didn't used to see it like we do now. It is literally just out there. They're bashing the Bible. They're bashing truth. They're bashing everything that's biblical. They're bashing Christianity. It's out there. And there are very unbiblical opinions alive and well about marriage about sexual identity, money, education, how you should raise your children. Public opinion and the spirit of the world is out there saying a counterfeit message. It is a mixed message that is contrary to the word of God. Everything in the world is upside down to what the kingdom of God would tell us to do. The kingdom of God is completely upside down from every public opinion and every message the world would try to tell us. On the screen, if it doesn't line up with the truth of God's word, say it with me, it's a lie. If it doesn't line up with the truth of God's word, it is a lie. But how will we know unless we know the word? Listen, the days we have a biblically illiterate generation coming up under us, 
And the lack of the knowledge of the Word of God is frightening. It is not enough anymore to just know that Noah built an ark and Moses went across on dry ground and Jesus went to the cross. We have to know the Word because just like the Sermon on the Mount says, it's a blueprint for our life to tell us how to live. We can't just know the highlights. God forbid our children only know the highlights and they don't know the Word of God because it's the Word of God in them living and active and being applied to their lives and modeled to them through their childhood that is going to keep them grounded when the winds start to blow and the rains come down and the floodwaters begin to rise. I am so thankful for Victory Church because Victory Church is founded on the rock. We preach the truth and nothing but the truth, so help us God. Amen? I'm thankful that we're in a church that isn't afraid of the hard messages and preaches the truth in its entirety. God help us. You know, the word is a protection for us. It's not a book of do's and don'ts. It is a safeguard for our life because Jesus wants us to make it to the end. He wants you to succeed. And he's warning us that the days are going to get harder and you're going to go through storms, but he's given you the recipe for success. It is building on the rock of his word. Judges tells us in those days, all the people did whatever seemed right in their own eyes. And like I said, there's right and then there's things that are almost right. Some years ago, Chris was offered a position at a church, a really great church that we loved and we knew the leaders personally in a different state from where we were living. And this was an offer like we were going to be promoted, we were going to move into the next level of ministry. It seemed on the outside like an obvious choice, like a no-brainer, right? But something down deep on the inside of me was like, eh. anybody know that feeling? like a little hesitation like "Ah, you need to learn to listen to that I need to learn to listen to that it's God's protection I started to have that feeling like I don't know I'm not sure it seems right but I don't know God would you show us would you help us and would you show us so not long after that I had a dream and it was very short it was like a picture This pastor of this church, who was a personal friend and actually a mentor of ours, was out on a boat in the water, okay? And he's looking at us, and he's waving at us. Come on, come on. Chris and I and the three kids are standing there on the sand, and he's like, come on, come on, get on the boat. What he didn't know is behind him, the boat was on fire. The flames were huge, way over his head. But he was smiling and saying, come on, get up, come on. Well, guess what? That confirmed to us we are not supposed to do this. We don't know why, but we're not supposed to do this. And I'm sad to say that within a year of making that decision, the leadership of that church imploded, and it doesn't even exist anymore. I said to Chris the other day, can you imagine if we had gone? Where would we be? (laughs) What would have happened? Listen, discernment, what is right and what almost, almost seems right, is very different. It is black and white. It is safety and it's disaster. 
And that discernment, he wants to grow it on the inside of us, on the screen. Discernment is not a matter of telling the difference between right and wrong. Rather, it is telling the difference between right and almost right. Charles Spurgeon. You know, those that study money, like bankers and things like that, they, um, they study bills and they, they practice a lot with you know, counting the money and looking at the money and feeling the money. And, and those that are training them, they don't give them a counterfeit. They give them the real thing, stacks of it, so they know what real money feels like so that when the counterfeit comes through, it's very obvious to them. Look, we have to sharpen our discernment, and the Holy Spirit is the one that does that for us. He's the one that works that. It's an alarm system that's already built in. So how do I sharpen my discernment? I build my life on the rock. And how do I build my life on the rock? We believe the word of God is the only truth. And number two, we stand on the word of God even when it's not popular. Even when it's not popular. It's becoming very unpopular. Can anyone see it happening? We have many opportunities as believers to be unpopular. We don't live like the world. If we are living what the word says, we don't make decisions like those in the world. We don't do all the things that they do. We do things that seem upside down to them. There are movies, songs, places to go that we don't go because the word of God says don't, don't do that. It's not good for you. Guard yourself. Listen. <laughs> The world laughs that we take a Sabbath, and I pray that you take a Sabbath. The world laughs and says, what is that? They laugh because we take the first 10% of what God has blessed us with, and we bring it as a tithe to the storehouse, to the church. The world will say, what in the world is that? It's unpopular, but that's what the word says to do, right? We don't participate in sex before marriage. It's unpopular. It's more common than it is uncommon. And we believe the Bible even though it is becoming known as hate speech. Have you heard that? It's becoming known as hate speech. These unpopular things, this unpopular way of my life, this unpopular book will draw persecution for our faith. It will draw it. We are coming into a day and age where we will not be able to hide our Christianity. We are going to be called out, and we are going to be called up, and it matters if you're built on the rock. And we have to build now before the days get harder and before true persecution of our faith is in our face. Paul the apostle, who was once Saul the persecutor, killing Christians... He killed Christians and persecuted them. He had a come to Jesus meeting on the road to Damascus. And you can read it for yourself. It's an amazing story. And he was basically called into ministry, called out of a life of normalcy and of probably popularity and called out and called into ministry. And he was saved on the road to Damascus through that experience. And he submitted his life and gave his life to full-time ministry. He accepted the narrow road. Remember when we talked about the wide road and the narrow road? The wide road is easy. The narrow road is narrow. It's difficult. But he accepted it, and he knew that it was going to come with persecution because he used to be one of the ones that was persecuting. He knew he was walking into persecution. 
He was constantly beaten, whipped, stoned, thrown in prison. Physical persecution because he believed in Christ. And knowing this, knowing all of the things that he had been enduring, he writes in the book of 2 Timothy to his spiritual son, Timothy, and he says this on the screen, everyone, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. Guys, there's no way out. The road, it almost feels like it's getting narrower and people are falling off left to the right. We have to, have to build our life on the rock and we have to stand on the word of God even when it's unpopular. Why do I need to know this today that Paul was whipped and stoned and thrown in prison and even dungeons? Because difficult days are coming and we will be required to stand in the face of persecution. Now is the time to drill down into the rock and shore up our foundations. Do you have cracks in your walls? Is your kitchen table unlevel? Is it leaning when you walk down the hall? It's time to examine our foundations and it's time to shore them up. It's never too late. It is never too late. Let's continue in 2 Timothy on the screen. But you must remain faithful. Somebody say faithful. To the things you have been taught. There's the Sermon on the Mount. He said, if you hear these words, the Sermon on the Mount, and do them, you will be like a wise man. You must remain faithful to the things you have been taught. You know they are true. For you know you can trust those who taught you. You have been taught the Holy Scriptures from childhood. And they have given you the wisdom to receive salvation that comes by trusting in Christ Jesus. All scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong. It corrects us when we're wrong and it teaches us to do what is right. God uses the word, the teaching of the word, to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. Parents, grandparents, let me talk to you for just a second. Verse 15 says, you have been taught the scriptures from childhood. I cannot stress enough to you today that as individuals and as parents, the spiritual leaders of the home, we must impart the word of God into our children's lives. It is a holy mandate. And guess what? That mandate doesn't rest on Victory Kids over here. We, don't be fooled into thinking that you can bring your kids and drop them into amazing children's ministry and that they're going to catch everything they need to catch to make it in this world. No, Victory Kids comes alongside you as a parent and a spiritual leader and, and helps to come alongside and assist and guide your child. But the mandate rests on us as parents that we must impart the word of God to our children's lives. Look, our kids are going to decide on their own to follow Christ. They're going to make that decision. But until then, we must live the word in our homes, at our jobs. When we're driving down the street, hello, live the word. When you're driving down the street, when you're getting on 85, 
We're called to walk beside our children because it says train up a child. You're walking with them as they grow to train them up because when they're older, they're going to remember the things that you deposited. God forbid that our children grow up and they only know that Noah built the ark. They have to grow up knowing who they are in Christ what the Bible says about them, what they can do, that all things are possible with God to them that believe. They need to be solid on their own foundation, not on yours. We're walking alongside them and training them as they grow and as they go. And let me tell you, as two of mine are going, they're 23 and 20, the youngest is 17 and a senior in high school, I'm like, oh God, every parent thinks this. Did I teach them enough? Did I do enough? Did they catch it? They're going to find some things out on their way, but they will be able to call to mind. That word of God you deposited in the soil of their hearts as they were young, it's going to produce fruit. It's going to come up and come to their remembrance when they need it. When they need it. We have to prepare and equip them to do every good work. That's what the end of that scripture said. God uses the teaching to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. And what is that good work? To stand when it's unpopular. Our children are going to face things we have never had to face in their lifetime. They need to be able to stand on the word. Listen, do this. When I was a kid, I would walk by my mom's bedroom. My mom was a single mom for most of my life. And I would go back and look in her bedroom and she would be sitting on her bed with the Bible open and a little highlighter sitting next to her. And in her spare time, even though she worked two jobs as a single mom, and she was, she was working hard, you guys, to support myself and my sister, I would catch her reading the Bible in her bedroom. Now, I'm not talking about a phone. Imagine if I had walked by and seen her sitting on her bed doing this. I'm not knocking the you version, but y'all, there is something solid about a real Bible with real pages. It's a book. It's a holy book. And I challenge you as a parent, let your kids catch you reading the Bible. Because if you're doing this, even if you're reading the Bible, they can't tell the difference. They don't know what you're doing. So let me encourage you about that. Share times of prayer with them. Call family devotionals. If you can't do it once a week, do it once a month. But have periodic times where you call the family together and you have a time of prayer. Maybe take communion. Have conversations with them regarding biblical truth and societal truth. Because they're being bombarded. Bombarded with the mixed messages of the world. Gender identity is completely out of control. They're being bombarded with it. Have family powwows where you come together and you talk about what's happening in the world. They don't know yet how to navigate it. And when we sit down with them and we read the word together, we can pray together and we can declare Psalm 91 together and it will begin to get down on inside of them that we live different than everybody else. Because when the winds of adversity rise and your child is faced with their own challenges in school, with their peers, later in life, in their career, we want them to be able to stand. We want them to stand on the rock of God's word, even when it's not popular. Let me give you a very encouraging example. There was a time when Israel was captive to Babylon, and all the Jews were commanded to bow down to a golden statue. But 
there were three young men. Come on. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. We're going to go old school to that old story. Now, that's a story your kids need to get deep down on the inside of them because these young men stood on the word of God when it was unpopular. They were commanded. But these three refused to bow. Listen to what they told the king in their own words. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied, O King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God whom we serve is able to save us. He will rescue us from your power, your majesty. But even if he doesn't, we want to make it clear to you, your majesty, that we will never serve your gods or worship the gold statue you have set up. Come on. Come on. That is standing on the word of God even when it is unpopular. Look, they stood even though they knew they could possibly die. Our God can save us, but even if he doesn't, we will never bow. We will never compromise. We know the God we serve. They stood, and we want our children to stand so they won't be swept away when the floodwaters begin to rise around them. God, may we make the most of every opportunity with our children, our grandchildren, our nieces, nephews, those in the younger generation that we have influence with, God. May we make the most of every opportunity to lead them to the rock and show them how to build and have them bring the word into their lives to apply it so they will be strong. Y'all, it is a life or death situation. It's life or death. So how do we build our lives on the rock? We believe the word of God is the only truth. We stand on the word of God even when it's not popular. And we trust in the word of God even when things get difficult. Not one person in this room has, gone, has not gone through a storm. Every one of us have faced hard times. There's many kinds of storms. There's personal storms. Maybe your marriage is in a storm right now. Or maybe you have a prodigal child that is just living like hell right now. That's a storm. Maybe your job is in a storm. And you don't know what's going to happen. There's a lot of fear of being laid off or your situation changing in your career. Sexual identity. You may be struggling with that. That is a real storm. That is a real confusion that the enemy is working in people's lives right now. There are also storms brewing in the earth. Everywhere you turn, there is trouble. I mean everywhere. From a fight breaking out at the gas station or the mall or the grocery store, people walking their dog down the street and becoming violently attacked for no reason. There's economic stability, instability in the world. There's the complete breakdown of family and society. We see it swirling and going down the drain while we watch. There's the threat of terrorism. 
and there's the threat of world war. The Bible tells us in Matthew chapter 2, verse 42, that there will be wars and there will be rumors of wars. And here we are. Ukraine and Russia, it, it's still going on. And hello, Israel and Hamas, right in front of our face. And right now, all eyes are on China. There will be wars, there will be rumors of wars. There's a lot of storms going on in the world. It can be very, very frightening. And even what we see today, I've said it several times, the Bible says the days will continue to get darker. But the Bible says when the enemy comes in like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord will raise up a standard against him. And let me tell you what, if you're in the body of Christ and you're believing Jesus and you're rooted in the Word of God and you're building on the rock, you will not be shaken by everything going on around us. You won't be shaken by everything going on the inside of us, the storms inside of us and the storms around us. The enemy wants to bring in doom and gloom. That's, that's the narrative that the enemy would try to weave into your thinking. And if he can get that into your thoughts, he, you'll begin to make decisions based on fear about what's happening in the world. Okay? He wants to bring in chaos. He wants to drop just paralyzing fear that makes us want to hide and bury our head in the sand and build a barricade and wait for Jesus to come back. <laughs> but that's not what we're called to do. We're called to live out loud for Christ. So keep your eyes on Jesus. Don't let your eyes drift to the storm. Don't let your thoughts descend into all of the trouble and calamity that I might be dealing with in my own storm. Don't let your eyes focus on the news to all the things, a list of things, of everything that's going wrong, everything that is chaotic. Do not give up. We cannot give up. In the middle of a storm, that's when we're tested to want to just throw in the towel and say, I can't do this, I can't. It's scary to watch the world and think, are we going to make it? Like, what is going to happen? Don't give up. This is why we have to know the word and do what it says and walk in faith. In Deuteronomy chapter 31, verse 8, on the screen, it says, do not be afraid. Or discouraged for the Lord will personally go ahead of you he will be with you he will not fail you he will not abandon you you know what's going to get us through the storm calling to mind the promises of God and I'll give us all some homework. We need to go sit down with the word and we need to find the promises of God and we need to write them down old school with pen and paper and we need to print it out on our computer and put it up on our bathroom wall and put it up on the refrigerator and all the places that we walk around our house. Stick it on the dashboard of your car and recall to mind the promises of God because they are yes and amen 100% of the time. He will not fail you. He will not abandon you. 
And what I've learned over the last few years is I love, love, love to read the word and apply those promises in first person. So it doesn't sound like it's talking about somebody else. I'm like, that's my promise. So I want to read this again. If you can put it back up on the screen. Lisa, I will not be afraid. I will not be discouraged. For the Lord, my God, will personally go ahead of me. He will be with me. And he will not fail me. And he will never abandon me. I want to challenge you to get those promises and turn them into first person so that they become yours. Because guess what? They are yours. You don't have to question if a promise is for you. Go find them. Go meditate on them. Go declare them to yourself and edify your own spirit. So we're talking about trusting in the word of God even when things get difficult. And we've all gone through storms. And I just want to share a personal storm that I went through this year. So in February of this year, 2023, I went through the most serious personal storm of my entire life. And I was battling, okay, so I turned 50, right, in 2022. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, I had a kidney stone. I was like, what? Do what? What do you mean I have a kidney stone? Never, I, I just have always been pretty healthy. Started battling a couple of kidney stones. And so fast forward to February of 2023, I was battling a very stubborn kidney stone. And it got really bad, the pain. Anybody in here ever had a kidney stone? You know what I'm talking about. If you haven't had one, you don't know what I'm talking about. God forbid that you ever have one. But I was battling and it was really, really uh, I knew I was sick. I knew that something had changed and progressed, whatnot. And I actually ended up in the hospital. Um, found out that I had a severe UTI, a urinary tract infection. And I was in the hospital. I knew I was sick, but I just figured, because I'm moving at Mach 10, right, in life, and I'm busy, and this is an interruption, I don't have time for this. So I land in the hospital, and I'm thinking, well... They're just going to go in and they're just going to take this kidney stone out and I'm going to be on my way. But what I didn't know is that I was basically becoming delirious and was almost losing consciousness. I was in bad shape. And little did I know that I was actually taken into emergency surgery and coming out on the other side of that, they had not removed the kidney stone but they had to drain massive infection in my right kidney. And I noticed that I was not in a normal hospital room, but I was in critical care. And I was like, what is going on? Where am I? What is this? When can I go home? I was in critical care and I was very sick I was told that I was I had tubes and wires everywhere and I was told that I had to be given life-saving drugs to save my organs that were struggling 
because I had a very serious blood infection that had traveled my entire body. It was a storm. I was very sick. I had a severe blood infection and it wasn't really registering. I just kept thinking, this wasn't supposed to happen. Like, I shouldn't be dealing with this. Lord, I love you. I'm serving you. I'm working as hard as I can. Just take the kidney stone out so I can go home and I can move on with my life. Thank you, Lord. Yes, I'm healed in Jesus' name. Amen. But my world stopped. And I realized that this was a big deal. I don't remember a lot of those days in the hospital because I slept a lot. But alone at night, because my family would see me during the day, but they couldn't be there at night. When I was alone in that room at night, it's almost like I could hear the wind blowing. And the rain was coming from everywhere. And the floodwaters were rising around me. And medically, I'm being told all these terrible things of what my situation is and how dangerous it was. But when I was alone at room in my night, alone in my room at night, scary thoughts would come, really scary thoughts that would come and, and try to carry me down very dark roads. And anxiety would come in and try to sit on my chest. And sometimes, sometimes it did. But it was those moments during the storm that I had to call to mind who my God was and how I had built my life on the rock. But I will say this, as those days wore on, a supernatural peace began to rest on me. It's like, it's like God brought me to a higher place where I was just like, you know what? My life is the Lord's. I don't know what this is gonna look like, but I know he loves me and he's with me and he has not abandoned me and he's going to take care of me. But I had to choose peace. I had to stand on my firm foundation that I had been building. It came in really handy <laughs> because if I had built on sand, it would have been a house of cards. I don't know how I would have come out of it, how I would have faced it. But I began to trust in the Lord. And I, I went home. My family took care of me. So many of you prayed for me. I was out of commission for probably five, six, seven weeks. I don't even remember. It was a very long recovery. And there's parts of me that are still recovering. And there's still scary thoughts that try to come. But I have to choose peace. I have to call to mind the promises of God and say, He is my healer. He is my restorer. He will multiply back to me what the enemy has stolen. It's mine. He can't have it. It's mine. And He's taking that storm and that trial and He's turning it into a testimony. And that's what he wants to do in your life because I knew that I knew he was going to get me to the other side. 
on the screen. Truly, He is my rock and my salvation. He is my fortress. I will never be shaken. Amen. So how do we build our lives on the rock? We believe the Word of God is the only truth. We stand on the Word of God even when it's not popular. And we trust in the Word of God even when things get difficult. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your presence in this place. We thank you for the truth of your word. I thank you, God, that you've given us such a gift. It is like a lifesaver, a lifeboat that promises us if we apply it, we will make it to the end and we will get to the other side. And so today, if you have never surrendered your life to Jesus Christ, or maybe you've been away from him, or maybe you are like, dear Lord, my foundation is in danger. You've been on sandy soil. Right now is the day to say, God, I need you. I need to come to you. I want to give my life to you. I want to surrender my future to you. And I want you to help me shore up my foundation and build on the rock. And I want us to all pray together right now. Repeat after me. Jesus, I love you. I need you. I come to you today. And I repent of my sins. I repent of my sins and I thank you for your forgiveness. I ask you to come into my life and I ask you to change me, change the way I do things, change the way I live. I surrender to you. Help me shore up the foundation. Help me to stand on the word, to trust in the word, to believe in the word and I apply it to my life in Jesus name and everyone said amen 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 very quickly today I think we have a mezuzah say the word mezuzah with me mezuzah as you leave today we have a gift we're gonna do something really special the word mezuzah means doorpost it's a container of sorts that holds a small scroll inside. In Jewish tradition, the mezuzah is affixed to the doorpost at the main entrance of the home. The Jews, they hang it at an angle on the right side of the front doorpost to signify that this house is built on the word of God. Because on the scroll that they place inside, they have written biblical passages and prayers to bless and sanctify their home. The scripture that is most often used is this on the screen, Deuteronomy, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road and when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. And as you leave today, we want to bless you with a mezuzah. Not every single person, but every single household. One per household. Victory, help us do this. Y'all love to take extra to go bless people. Today is the day that you get one for your household. Not for your son's household who didn't come to church today. One per household today. Because what y'all don't know is at one o'clock we run out and we're like, sorry, one per household, please. So as you leave, take it 
take it home, make it personal. If you're single or if you have a family, choose a scripture and a prayer. Write it out, print it out, whatever, place it inside, and then put this to the right side of the front door of your home as a symbol of God's word being prioritized in this place. Because as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. I love you, Victory Hamilton Mill. Amen, amen. Come on, believe, stand, trust. Let's stand together. Great job, babe. Great job. Yes, prayer team, thank you. If you're here today, something that Lisa spoke on, your heart right there pricked, you grabbed it. I want to encourage you, take this, take this moment. We move so fast in life. Take this moment, slow down before you leave this place. Our prayer team would love to pray with you. If you made a decision for Jesus, the first thing you would do is tell someone. Tell somebody the decision that you made today. Amen? And also, just as Lisa said, on your way out, grab one per family and let this be a blessing and a proclamation over your home that you and yours belong to Jesus. Amen? Amen. Come on, let's pray together. We thank you, Lord, so much for this day. We thank you for this word. Oh, my goodness, Lord, help us believe. Help us stand and help us trust that you will see us through to the other side. Father, we thank you as we leave this place today. Help us shine and share your love this Thanksgiving week, Father God. We have so much to be thankful for. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen, amen. Have a Jesus week. We love you. Happy Thanksgiving.